Greetings, loved ones. Let's take a journey. Once you party with us, you'll be falling in love. This is Trevor. And this is Tom, and welcome to episode 39. Yes, sir. Um, I already said that, though, so now you're being redundant. Well, no, okay. Well, actually, redundant passwords are sometimes the most effective. Where did you find that fun fact? <laughs> you, you sound like a fortune cookie, or like the inside of a Dove chocolate. Do you want to know your lottery numbers? Or a Snapple cap. Hey, don't call me a, an obese marketing campaign. Snapple caps are obese market. Anyway, this is a podcast about magic. <laughs> so, be, because this is a podcast about magic, we're going to be talking about magic. And the first thing we're going to be talking about is what we've been playing as of late. So I will let Tom go first because he hasn't been playing EDH. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. I love EDH. Don't get me wrong. I have a few deck techs I have to do from EDH decks I have online. And I think I will do a, a deck tech for this one because this episode might be shorter than usual. But, um... So I've been playing Limited. It's the second best format behind EDH, for me at least. I love it a lot. It's a good friend to me. Except when I lose horribly, then I hate it. Um, so anyways, so I was playing MLM and Draft, and the weirdest thing happens to me, right? I draft Black-White uh, Aggro, which first of all is a really weird archetype and should never be played, except for when you 3-0 an 8-4 with it. And I drew in the first round. Do you know how you can draw in the first round, Trevor? Um, Mind Slaver and Doubling Season. That, that Sorry. doesn't make... <laughs> it was just a knee-jerk reaction for cards I always talk about. <laughs> okay, so, no. First of all, I played Mana Reflection on turn six. Ah, uh, Doubles, check them. So, <clears throat> so I, I got Vengeful Archon as my bomb. First pick of the pack. First pick, pack one, Vengeful Archon. Second pick, pack one... Um, I got Conundrum Sphinx, and I'm like, Blue White Levelers, let's get there. And then, no more blue. So I just went wait, black. Wait, 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 Did you say Blue White Levelers? Sorry, Blue White Flyers. No, both... you're awesome. Tom, Tom's so awesome, he plays Blue White Levelers <laughs> and Eleven Limited. And, and Doping Season would have been awesome in that deck if you could make green mana and play it, and it was in M11. They really should reprint Doubling Season sometime soon, though. I don't okay. understand why they don't. This is getting so far off track. I can barely see the track from where we are. I didn't even know we were on a train. So, anyways, black-white. So, uh, the second round, first round, I I destroy this guy. It's not even funny. Elite Vanguard, Elite Vanguard, Child of Night. He doesn't put out a blocker till turn four, which I pacifism. It's already game. So, that's what happens uh, game one. Game two, um, I kept a five-land Vengeful Archon pacifism hand. And I'm like, you know what? Guys seem kind of slow. This deck, this hand could probably get here, get there. I end up drawing like Silvercoat Lions, cause they're horrible cards, but I won with them. And um, the board state ends up at uh, Garrick's pack leader, Yavamile Worm. He's at ten. Uh, I have Vengeful Archon out. He just in the chat said, "Oh damn it!" And then I'm at four, and I have a Silvercoat Lion out. So I figure, okay, the way I'm going to win is I have to attack with uh, this Vengeful Archon. I attack, he goes down to three, and um, end a turn, he uh, he Doomblades my Silvercoat Lion, and I have six mana available, and I'm like, damn it. 
I'm gonna lose, I think. I didn't know, like, when combat damage stacks. Apparently, Vengeful Archon's ability and damage occurs at the same time. So when he attacked all in and I paid six to prevent six and deal six to him, and we both died at the same time, so we drew. Which is weird on Magic Online, because Magic Online looks at a draw and goes, I don't understand what a draw is. Instead, it's not going to count for anything. And so we ended up playing four games, and I kicked his butt. Next game, the guy opens with Leyline of Vitality, and guess what? I beat him. Dude, don't play Leyline of Vitality and anything. And then, um, round three, I played a guy who was blue-black, right? And then had a transformational sideboard into black-red. Cool. Yeah. Except I beat him 2-0. And so anyways, I won that. I was very happy about it. I was like, yeah, I can do things besides EDH, unlike Trevor. Awesome segue. That was actually a terrible segue, because I'm pretty good at sealed. Oh. Yeah. Oh, I remember sealed. And, and I'm awesome at witty comebacks. So take that, mister. I go to the event, I pre-release, and open three on-color leeches and lose. Oh, you're a failure. Anyway. um, Great, now I'm depressed. Thanks. You're welcome. I've been playing EDH lately because it's the best format ever. And because everyone around here has been building EDH decks. Uh, Debbie now has an Omnath deck. And Brian fixed his Scion of the Ur-Dragon deck and also has a bunch of other ones. We just, we've been having a lot of good times with EDH. Um, a game in particular that we just played with on Saturday was Sally Fitzgerald, Patrick, and, er, Sally Fitzgerald being one person, Brian and myself. And you're playing an EDH plane chase game, which takes about as long as, um, I don't know, take Monopoly? Uh, yeah. It's longer than that. No, no, you want to know how long it takes? You have every, you have every single person who knows the lyrics to California Girls sing them, but not at once, in consecutive order. Because that's oh, what so I have to listen to right now from my roommate, and it's it's infecting my brain. Mm. Well, I, I apologize, I'm sorry. That sounds awful. Anyway. No, it's, it's okay, you know, just California Girls, they're, they're unforgettable. <laughs> oh, please don't. Anyway... Um. So this this was an EDH plane chase game. It had gone on forever. I played a spear and a Speria deck. Kind of the reason why we're using Speria as the general of the week this week. Um. But I played my Speria deck. Archon of Redemption is an all star in that deck because most of the deck is flyers. So whenever a creature comes into play, you gain life. I had a really good board position early in the game. Brian played Tornado Elemental. My really good board position became non-existent. Um because it killed all my flyers. And then Patrick plays Living Death later on, like a few turns afterward, because he wants to bring all of his creatures back. He had, like, an Una and a, um, a Chroma, a few good creatures in his yard. Yeah, he, um, if you don't mind, can I stop you for a second really quick? Go I, ahead. I just wanted to let you know that uh, California girls are unforgettable. Yeah. We're from Florida. Why did people from Florida listen to this song? Oh, Tom. That, 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 that did not warrant an interruption. What's that, what's that pussycat doll song that you had stuck in your head for, like, all of senior year? Don't do it. Please. I, I really wa- Be careful what you wish for, or you just might get it. Or mm-hmm. you just might get it. Or you just <gasps> might get it. Okay. Anyway. Uh, so, Patrick living death the first time. I got all my flyers back from the yard. I gained a bunch of life, but Brian's tornado elemental came back. 
killing all my flyers again. Um, okay, so all my flyers are in the yard again. Patrick lost his good creatures too. And the game continues to go on. Nine, uh, 75% of my great, of my deck is in the graveyard. If this game lasted much longer, I could have milled myself out. It was a likely possibility. Especially because I was at 113. We get to the, the plane where you can flash back, <clears throat> pardon me, where you can flash back instants and sorceries in your yard. And the chaos is take an extra turn. Okay, that seems fair. It comes to my turn. I really don't have much in my graveyard that would be too beneficial to play, especially because most of it's instants. I let Patrick go. He plays Living Death from his graveyard. I get a bunch of creatures back. I'm at an obscenely high life total. And Brian's Tornado Elemental comes back again, so all of the flyers die. Alright. Then it's Brian's turn. He keeps trying to get away from this plane because he knows my deck runs good instants and sorceries and doesn't want me to be able to get them back from my graveyard. He ends up rolling Chaos. He takes his extra turn. On his extra turn, he plays Bear Umbra on one of his creatures. At this point in the game, I think he had... It wasn't Harpy to string. I think he had something to double his mana out because he was making a lot of mana. Um, It might have been Mana Reflection. I'm not sure. Then he uses all of his mana, which is an obscene amount, to keep rolling. Just try to get there. I don't know. He ends up rolling Chaos two more times. So he gets two more extra turns. He starts his first extra turn and draws Helix Pinnacle. He plays it, gets <laughs> his mana, and has 50. He attacks. Bear Umbra untaps all of his land. He taps it again, ends his turn, and wins the game. It's like being kicked in the shins. I, oh, so frustrating. It was like, the game was the game was not really anticlimactic, but it was kind of like a lot of big upswings and awesomeness and then downfalls into depression. But it was at least... I mean, it was going... The fun scale, it was definitely positive. And then instead of going down, instead of, like, petering out and going back down, it just ended. It was, it was like walking... It was walking off a cliff. Okay, I told, I told Tom this earlier before we started recording. I would much rather have nine poison counters be at one life, have no cards left in my deck, and have taken 20 damage from every other general, then lose to Helix Pinnacle. Especially in that way. It's not like he played it, and it went all the way around the table and he won. No, he played it and then goes, oh, I'm going to take my other extra turn. Although, you have to admit, you can't blame the guy. He was obviously trying to roll away, and he just happened into two extra turns. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not mad at Brian at all. It was a fun game, and he wasn't doing anything wrong. It was just kind of hilarious. This is the same Brian who, okay, first of all, he can't open a mythic to save his life. We were at Wednesday Night Magic, and um, Deborah happens to like just give out packs. I'll, I'll get to that at the end of the podcast. It's mainly because she's awesome. But uh, Christian got two packs: a pack of Arise and a pack of at eleven. Guess what his rares were. Um, I'm guessing they weren't rares. No, 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 this is Christian, not Brian. So guess what? Guess what he pulled? Okay, so I'm gonna guess Dark Tutelage, and I'm gonna go with Kozilek. Yeah, uh, you know, he pulled Vengevine and Primeval Titan. What a dick! Okay, and then Brian gets two packs, and Brian opens. Garbage. I think he opened his like twelfth Goliath Sphinx. <laughs> hey, Goliath Sphinx in World Wake, man. 
Okay. Well, yeah, he got a pack of rolled away because he was trying to roll oh, for a Oh, get Jace. Oh, okay. Yeah. Jace lottery. Did I get $100? Oh. <laughs> yeah, Brian, but, and also, we were at the Pools of Becoming plane earlier in the same EDH game, and he rolled Chaos three or four times. And that's the one where you get to uh, do the top three planes Chaos ability. Mm-hmm. He got shafted. <laughs> like, he had to... He One of them was, like, getting Wooborg into your mana pool. The first one he got was Discard Your Hand. <laughs> it was it was awful. I think the best one out of all of the chaoses he got was Untap All Permanents You Control. That's amazingly hilarious. And so, like, his, his best moment, besides taking a bazillion extra turns, his best moment in that game in terms of Chaos abilities... Was Seedborn Muse. Woo! <laughs> That's incredibly depressing. So that was that was the EDH that you played, man. Um, I mean, yeah, pretty much. We played a bu- I played a bunch of EDH games, but that was definitely the most awe-inspiring of them. Right. Sweet. So, um, so stuff went down this weekend, dude. Pro Tour Amsterdam. Yes. Did you check the uh, Pro Tour Top 8? It was awesome. It had I Kai Buddha, it had Brad Nelson, and it had Guillermo Wafatapa, which has like... That's that's like one of the most fun last names to say, right? Just just wait. Okay, everybody, get into a quiet place and just calm down, like do an ohm, and then say Wafatapa. It, it sounds like he should have played Magic just because his last name has Tap in it. I'm just saying. I didn't even notice that part. That's really true. You should. You should. Anyway, that was um that was just birthright. Yeah. See, he was born into it. Some people are born into like oil tycoons or politics. Guillermo Avatar was born into playing magic, and he was born into playing control. It's, it's what he does. <laughs> Mystical teachings in extended, new extended. Okay. So, I, did you uh did I'm you pay just, attention to the decks in new extended? By the way. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to start talking about because that tree the. Air quotes treehouse deck, <laughs> so cool, so cool. I, I love Doran. It's awesome. I, I remember getting smashed by Doran by Dan so many times. So um, yeah, we'll just go over new extended really quickly, just because you know a little bit of spice of life is spontaneity. Is that right? I dude, I have absolutely no idea. Okay, anyway, so first of all, the top eight was um in uh, order in which they were uh, paired in. So like. Uh, Brad Nelson, Paul Reitzel, Michael Jacob, Marine Lee, Lee, some Dutch guy, um, Guillermo Wafatapa, uh, Brian Kibler, yeah, Thomas Ma, who has a cool story, guy, never, doesn't have a pro point to his name, right? Not a pro, no one knows about him, goes into the last chance qualifier and ends up in seventh. In seventh. Ridiculous, and then uh, who? Okay, so who came in eighth, Trevor? Do you do you know the last guy in that top eight? Have have, have you heard about him? Um, I don't think I. Mm, no, I don't think so. No, you've you've you've, you've never heard of of, of Kai Buddha? Kai, Kai Buddha? Never heard of him before. I don't even have any idea who you're talking about. Does he play uh, NBA? Is, yeah. Oh wait, is he in the new Tiger Woods? He is. He is the new. He's actually the caddy for Tiger Woods. Uh, he he falls around and he just carries like the Trojan condoms for him, and that way. I feel like, I feel like that's what Tiger Woods' caddy would do. Actually. 
So yeah, uh, Kai was actually in the top eight, um, along with future Hall of, Hall of Famer Brian Kibler. Uh, <laughs> future Hall of Famer, <laughs> along with in the, if this was in the past, future Hall of Famer. That was great, Tom. Okay, so that, those were the people, and the decks that accompany them were actually really cool. A treehouse, uh, basically a build of Doran. It has Doran, Treefold Carpenter, Murmuring Bosk, uh, seven discard spells in the main, along with uh, Maelstrom Pulse. Uh, it, it's supposed to be really good against combo, so that was good. And then, do you know the deck that won, Trevor? Um... You know where you should... Oh, White Weenie. Yes, it was. It was White Weenie. What yes. the hell? So, White Weenie... Yeah, White Weenie took New Extended by Storm. Kai Buddha played it. Uh, the winner, Paul Wright, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Yeah. They both played It's a really solid Weenie list. Okay, that just sounds wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me. But, I mean, it seems like a good deck. It obviously it won. The only the only issue I have with this format, the reason why I wasn't going to get too in depth about the decks, is that um, besides the treehouse deck, which most of its components stay in, uh, yeah, all of the decks are leaving. Yeah, They're not going to be there anymore because finals rotating. That's very true. Um, out of the treehouse deck, the cards that are leaving are Tarmogoyf and Slaughter Pact. Yeah, and I mean that's not a terribly big deal. Yeah, like this, like that. That's it. <laughs> the deck that impressed me the most, and by impressing me I mean was cool and flashy, was the Ad Nauseum Angels Grace Conflagrate deck. Oh, that deck is so cool! I remember um, somebody uh, like three days after Extended got announced, they were already doing like Magic League tournaments, and the deck that came in second was Ad Nauseum Conflagrate combo. And I was like, how does this work? Because you only get the deck list. Nothing explaining about it. And you look at it, and you're just wondering. You're like, it's blue and black and white and red. And it just looks like the stupidest deck ever. But the way it works is really cool. You want to describe the, the line of play, Trevor? Okay, yeah. It's really, it's not rocket science. It's, um, you get you need to get to six mana. So either through Lotus Blooms or whatever the case may be. You get, you get to six mana. You go Angel's Grace. So you can't lose. Uh, ad nauseum, draw your deck, and then you you play. There are generally three or four Simeon Spear guides in the deck. At least three. You discard. Yeah, you exile a Simeon Spear guide to play Conflagrate for zero, and then it's in your yard. Oh, cool! You exile the other two Simeon Spear guides from your hand to deal them to flash back Conflagrate to deal X damage or access however many cards you discard. And then you, you discard however many cards are in your hand, minus any, like, pact of negations you might have, so you can counter their stuff. So, uh, yeah, pretty awesome. I like it a lot. Yeah, I think it's a really cool deck. Except it didn't pull a top eight finish, so a lot of people are now decrying, um, the, uh, the ad nauseum. They're like, oh, that, that deck's not good, didn't pose any top eight finishes. No. Anyways. Um, so yeah, uh, Paul Reisel ended up winning it. Uh, so, Trevor, I heard the Hall of Fame inductees were announced. And by heard, I mean yes. I saw them being announced. I, I like how we watch magic, like, like are we going to say normal people? Like, other people watch sports. Like, yeah. they're doing fantasy drafts, and we're drafting M11, and we're they're rooting for, I don't know, Dwayne Wade or something, and we're rooting for, like, Brad Nelson. 
I just oh. find it I find it cool. But uh, the the Hall of Fame inductees were Gabriel Nassif, Brian Kibler, and Saito. Ah, Saito. There we go. I knew I knew the third one. I slipped my mind. Brain fart. Um. Well, yeah. I really think like I I don't really know a lot about the way the Hall of Fame works, but I know that before it used to be the top X vote getters, like the top five people mm-hmm. in terms of any amount of they got would get in, and that seems like it makes so much more sense than this. They have to get forty percent nonsense. I don't I don't like that very much. Like no. Bram Snedeker's would have got in if he had one more vote. You totally stole what I was gonna say, but yeah, no, that's 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 completely true. <laughs> Um, it's really depressing. He had thirty nine point nine four percent of the vote to get in, and if one guy, just one guy, had gone, you know, maybe I like Bram Snapbangers more than Patrick Shapin, and it clicked him in, there'd be four inductees instead of three. I, I think they should go. The the problem though with going back to five is that you get a lot more quantity into the Hall of Fame, but possibly less quality. Do you know what I mean? No, I understand what you mean, but I don't know. I also, but the thing is, I also know that I don't pay enough attention to professional magic, and I like EDH, so I know there won't be an EDH Hall of Fame anytime soon. And if there is, then Sheldon should be the only person inducted, and <laughs> Sheldon should be the king of EDH votes. Anyway, um, do you want to talk about the general of the week? Well, actually, uh, really quick, back on the Hall of Fame, um, a lot of people have been saying that they should extend it into uh, beyond like players. Like, if you have a Hall of Fame, why aren't people like Sheldon Mannery in it, and why aren't people like Mark Rosewater in it, and why aren't people like Richard Garfield in it? Like, Richard Garfield see, isn't that, in the Hall of Fame. See, I think that's kind of a non-issue, though. The Hall of Fame is for Hall of Flame... Hall of Flame, Hall of Fame players of the game, really good people who are really good at the game. Saying that Morrow should be in the Hall of Fame is saying like the guy who invented baseball should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Like, I granted, yeah, he did something great. He's awesome. Do you want to know something else about him? What? He's a Mormon. His name is Abner Doubleday. The guy who invented baseball? Yeah. No, 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 no. He is a Church of Christ Science. I learned about it. You know how, like, people go in college? Well, I'm in college. And um, I was taking a uh, popular uh, world religions and of, like, of the, of the American century. And basically, it's, like, starting in 1880, it's basically, like, all the cults. And one of them was Church of Christ Science. And it's like, yeah, Abner Doubleday, guy that invented baseball, Church of Christ Scientist. That was so random. But all, what I was getting at was, I just feel like the Hall of Fame should be dedicated to players who are good at the game, players who are renowned. Mm-hmm. And when you induct someone who isn't a renowned player, then the Hall of Fame kind of loses some of its clout. I I, I see where people are coming from more when they're like, oh, they should make another Hall of Fame for commentators. Or like, I still just don't understand it. I mean, it... To me, it doesn't have any. It doesn't have any purpose. Like, yay, you're really good at commentating, or you're really good at podcasting. Don't get me wrong. I really appreciate the guys who go out and do commentating or do podcasting, and I appreciate Morrow and everyone, like Richard Garfield, all those people. I really do like what they've done for the community. But the Hall of Fame is for Hall of Fame, Mag- Hall of Fame magic players. It's that simple. 
people just want recognition. Like that's mm-hmm. to me, that's a little bit extreme. Very good counterpoint, Trevor. All right, so we were going to talk about it during all the week. What's its name? Um, I'm assuming it's a her, but let's go with uh, her name is Esperia the Inscrutable. So for one white, white, blue, blue, she is a legendary creature sphinx. Ooh, 3-6 flyer. When Esperia the Inscrutable deals combat damage to a player, name a card. That player reveals his or her, his or her hand. If he or she reveals the named card, search your library for a creature card with flying and put it into your hand. Then so, shuffle your library. Well, yeah. Um, so Asperia is really good for... Uh, it's kind of a tutor uh, a tutor effect for flyers. So you can you shove your deck full of different techie flyers and use Asperia to hopefully pull them out at need, at like, NEB. But I know my Asperia deck isn't necessarily based around Asperia. If I swing with her and happen to guess correctly, then that's great. But it doesn't really need her to win, and I don't play any uh, peak-type spells. But you can. I know the the list we have written up plays Telepathy, right? Yep. Just one. Just the one spell that plays Telepathy. I mean, I've, I've versus Asperia before, and it'll just hit somebody, then you know all the cards in the person's hand. And so the next time you hit that person, then it's good. Yeah. But um, so I I decided to kind of build the deck as a, like a blue white resistance deck. Um, it's built around the idea of using stuff like ghostly prison and propaganda in order to make it so that people don't attack you, and then you end up just not overwhelming them with flyers. But the one kind of bad, kind of not good, kind of good at the same time part about Asperia is that it goes to your hand and not into play, and so. If you attack with, like, seven cards in hand and you guess right, then you have, like... You have to get, like, a cheap flyer or something like that in order to, like, be able to play it out. Sorry for saying like so many times. My bad. Um, it just ends up not being a much advantage, so the idea is you hide until you have enough mana to be able to get something, then be able to play something and play something else. So, the resisting cards... Well, how do you feel about cards like Propaganda and Ghostly President and EDH, Trevor? Um... I don't have an obje- I don't have too much of an objection to them. They're really good at keeping off token rushes and just they're good at deferring people from attacking you. Uh, I feel like I, the only reason that I don't like them, the only instance where they're irritating to me, is when people sit behind prison effects in order to build up an infinite combo. Oh yeah, there are no infinite combos in here. I was gonna put in the body double combo, and I was like, you know. I don't want to do it. And so we didn't do it. Um, we do have... I'll just go over the resistance cards. We actually asked our followers, and they were like, hey, we have all these non-blue-white resistance cards for you. And I was like, thanks. Uh, I should have specified. But actually, no, they were a lot of help. It was nice. And quick aside, um, the, all of the non-blue-white... Like, I know Gavin tweeted us Elephant Grass, and um, I'll pull up Twitter right now just so I can get some of the other ones. Uh, Collective Restraint and Kakush Falls... Uh, Norbert tweeted us, as well as other other people. But all of the ones that aren't blue or white are probably still going to be used in a uh, soon general delete because I have a deck that I want to build that's based on Papa Bear's Mathematician's deck, which we'll get to at the end of the podcast. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Twitter followers. You are all awesome, but now I'll let Tom talk. Okay, so Trevor just gave you a hug. 
Um, so the cards we have are stuff like uh, Crawl Space. This is one of my favorite cards, a card that I think is just plain awesome. For three colorless mana, no more than two creatures can attack you. And so uh, we have Fog Bank and we have Guard Gomazoa and Wall of Denial in this deck. So if you have out Crawl Space and you have out Fog Bank and Guard, Gomaz- <coughs> Guard Gomazoa, you're not taking damage ever. It's just awesome. Oh, you have Ensnaring Bridge, which is a classic. Um, that's a good way to make sure people don't attack you. Uh, Propaganda, which, uh, again, I'm not going to call the main card of the deck, but it's the main card of the deck. And for two and a blue, it's an enchantment. Creatures can't attack you unless their controller pays two for each creature attacking. So that's a really good way to make sure people don't hit you. Um, we have one of my favorite cards, Orification. Do you know what this card does, Trev? Um, that's the one that gives gives gold counters, right? Uh-huh. Whenever a creature deals damage to you, put a gold counter on it. Each creature with a gold counter on it is a wall in addition to their other types. And then at the end, it nicely mentions walls can't attack. All right, so I have a question for you, Tom. Mm-hmm. If you have Orification out, and Opalescence, and Humility, and you attack with Humility, what happens? <laughs> Well, first of all, you're attacking with humility, so you've already been punched once, so it doesn't count. No, no, no. You have opalescence. You're already on the floor bleeding, Trevor. You played humility. <laughs> it's it's not going to happen. So we also have moat, which costs like $200, so I don't expect you to have it. But if you don't have moat, you can play Teferi's moat. Uh, this is three white and a blue, time spiraled. Teferi's moat enters the battlefield. Choose a color. Creatures of the chosen color, without flying can't attack you, which is... It's a nice remote. We also have Magus of the Moat, which is a great card. And we do have... We're playing Collective Restraint. That's three and a blue domain. Uh, it's propaganda, but it has domain. So if we were like a four-color deck, they'd have to pay four for each creature. Just just two. And then we have Windborn Muse, which is Ghostly Prism on legs. And it's also a flyer, so it can be tutored up with Asperia, which is also really awesome. And, um... Yeah... I'm pretty sure that's it. Um, there's another card that is... It's not necessarily uh, what you're referring to, but it's kind of similar in Gravitational Shift. Ooh, that that card's part of a combo later on. Yeah, well, I was segueing into the combo. I'm working on my segues, okay? It's okay. I, I hear they get, like, a lot of muddy a lot of times. It's all right. Yeah, moving on. Um, Gravitational Shift isn't necessarily a lockout-type card, but it does have people, like, it, it kind of backs people away from attacking you when their creatures get minus two, minus zero. In case you don't know, it's an enchantment from, uh, I believe Worldwake. It's three blue-blue, creatures of flying get plus two, plus zero, creatures without flying get minus two, minus zero. Yeah, like, the only cards you have without flying are, I'm pretty sure, just the Titans. Yeah, Sun and Frost Titan. Yeah, which is pretty awesome. Uh, it was actually really fun making the deck that way, though, I have to admit. Oh, and Magics of the Moat. Stupid mags of the moat without flying. But yeah, it was just, it's fun to make a deck like this, and although we're not done talking about it, it's just, I was really happy with how this deck worked out. It has a really nice yeah. curve, by the way. So I want to talk about the, the combo um, in Gravitational Shift, uh, Godhead of Awe, mm-hmm. and Reverence. Although we're not playing Reverence, this Godhead of Awe and Gravitational Shift. Well, my deck plays Reverence. So. His deck plays Reverence. What, well, what Godhead of Awe does is get all... Pardon me. Other creatures are 1-1s. And um, Gravitational Shift 
gives creatures that are flying minus two, minus zero. So your opponent's creatures, if they're not flying, are negative one zeros. Yay. Oh, negative and, one ones. Yeah, and if you have... Yeah, pardon me, negative one ones. And if you have Reverence out, if you decide to play Reverence in the deck, Reverence says creatures without or creatures with power two or less can't attack you. So, um, yeah, you can't be attacked. <laughs> so basically, actually, you really don't even need the gravitational shift part, but it's pretty good. It's it's fun to do. I've I haven't had that happen to me, but it seems like fun. Godhead of Awe is also just a great way to screw with everybody. Yeah. Oh, um, we forgot to mention two other cards in terms of uh, limiting attacks. And that's Island Sanctuary. Oh yeah, and, Island Sanctuary. My bad. Um, the Serpent, uh, Stormtide Leviathan. I was debating on putting him in for flavor reasons. I left him out, obviously, just because he doesn't fly. But that's that's the only reason. If I was to build this deck to be, I'm putting this in air quotes here, competitive. I'd definitely play the Serpent, Harbor Serpent. No, not Harbor. Harbor no, that's wrong. Stormtide Leviathan. Correct. <laughs> Got it the last time. It, and okay, so those are the resistance cards. Let's talk about the flyers, which is the rest of the deck. <laughs> um, there is a nice suite of walls. I already went over these. There's fog bank, uh, wall denial. You have guard gomazoa. You have sunweb, and wall of reverence. Just for some walls, I was gonna put in um the guy that makes walls attack, but I decided not to. Just saying. Um, uh, other flyers we have we have uh, Revelark and Karmic Guide which is a combo again in quotation marks basically uh, you have something in the graveyard with two power and you have Karmic Guide in the graveyard you evoke Revelark getting back Karmic Guide and something else now, yeah getting back Karmic Guide and something else and Karmic Guide gets back Revelark so if, then you let Karmic Guide die then Revelark dies you get back Karmic Guide and something else and ridiculous stuff amounts. Yeah, there, there's actually another card in here that I had never seen before. Tom made the list, and it's actually really good. I'm going to probably try to pick one up. It's only an uncommon. It's Sky Hussar. It's a 4-3 uh, human knight with flying. It costs 3 a white and a blue. When it comes into play, untap all creatures you control, and it has forecast. Tap 2 untapped white or blue creatures you control, reveal Sky Hussar from your hand, and draw a card. Yep. It's it's good even like after an attack when you're it it allows you to get over someone's defenses and like you get you basically get a free attack out of it because you just get to untap all your defensive guys and you're good. You get pseudo vigilance. Yep. Everyone loves pseudo vigilance, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's strictly worse than regular vigilance, but sure. <laughs> okay, so then um. The strategy for this deck, besides hiding behind walls, is to tutor up guys with Asperia. Uh, one of those guys is actually uh, Drift of Phantasms. I never realized this guy was had was flying. Uh, it's two and a blue for a zero five defender with flying, and has transmute on him, which allows you to get uh, because he's converted mana cost three. You can either you can get O Ring, Ghostly Prism, or Propaganda, or Ensnaring Bridge, or Crawl Space. All your like preventing cards are on that nice little three niche. So it's perfect for this deck. I once I saw it, I was in love with the ghastly face of Drift of Phantasms. You know, this is a deck that really is upset that um, Sovereigns of Lost Alara does not have flying. Oh my God! I wish Sovereigns of Lost Alara had flying. 
Because if Sovereign's had flying, I mean, he'd be a, they'd be a lot better in this deck, and you can play more enchantments. And white plus enchantments is good. Yeah, I, I heard that from a friend one time. Yeah, because I'm your friend, and I've said it to you before. Exactly. Um, another really good flyer and tutor target is Gilded Drake. In case you don't know what Gilded is, um, be happy, because it's kind of a mean card. It's a 3-3 flyer for one and a blue. Seems undercosted. Um, <laughs> it must so have a drawback. Yeah. When it enters the battlefield... See, I wouldn't know if you would consider this a drawback. When Gilded Drake enters the battlefield, exchange control of Gilded Drake for target creature one of your opponents control. So um, I'm going to play my 3-3 flyer for two and steal your primeval titan. That's a, that's a fair trade, right? Totally. I'm, I'm, I'm going to play my 3-3 flyer for two and I'm going to steal your Thrax and Mundar. Is that, is that okay? Cool, thanks. So, yeah. Bad things happen. And by bad things, I mean good things. Oh, I broke this clock? Damn no, Tom it. broke the clock. Um, another card that I did want to mention was Linvala Keeper of Silence. We are, Most people would know Linvala just because of her duty and standard keeping Cunning Spark Mages and Mana Birds at bay. But she's 2-2 two and two white for a 3-4 Legendary Angel. She is flying and activated abilities of, your, of creatures your opponent's control cannot be activated. This card really... It's kind of ridiculous in EDH because uh, one of our opponents played it in an EDH game that I played recently, and it shuts down a lot of cards that you wouldn't think of. Um, from even something as simple, uh, Sally was playing the Omnath deck, and he played Omnath once, it got killed, and he had enough mana out to play it again, but uh, I think he had birds, or no, he didn't have birds, he had Lanwar Elf, Devoted Druid, and. Um, maybe Draga Tree Speaker or something like that on the field, as well as a couple of lands. Our opponent drops Linvala, and Sally basically can't play anything. Because most of his uh, mana was wrapped up in mana dorks, so I thought that, that was pretty interesting. Linvala is also in this deck. Um, then we have uh, Thieving Magpie. Just saying. <laughs> there's, there, there's a lot of tutorable targets. Uh, Glenelanda Archmage, in case you feel like someone's about to go off, you can just grab the Archmage and put it down and be like, ha! Take that. Gomazoa. Uh, Gomazoma is actually a really good way to get rid of generals that are attacking you. Uh, Gomazoa for three and a blue. It's another defending flyer. Uh, it's an O3. Uh, put each creature... Each creature? Put Gomazoa and each creature it's blocking on top of their owner's libraries. And then those players shuffle their libraries. So it's it's really good at what it does. It gets rid of something you'd never want to see again until they tutor for it. Yeah, I told Tom about Gomazoa and EDH, and at first he underestimated its awesomeness, and then I shuffled someone's general into their deck, and they were a bit upset with me. <laughs> yeah, it also makes people not attack you, which is half the point of this deck. Yeah. Also, there's Sun Titan and Frost Titan. Sun Titan actually recurs a lot of good things if people kill your enchantments. You go, no, I like my ghostly prison. I want it back. Come here, 6-6 six, six Vigilance Giant. Um, another good interaction, it's not a combo, but another good interaction of the deck is Archon of Redemption and... The um, deck? The, what? <laughs> Archon of Redemption and the deck? Yeah, well, yeah. Archon of Redemption and the deck. But what I was really referring to was either Maloku or... Um, Pride in the Clouds? No, not proud of the clouds. Why can't I think of it? The one, uh, the landfall one. Oh, Amiria Angel. 
Yes. So you have uh, you have Arc on Redemption out in one of those two, and you can whenever you play a land or whenever you bounce a land, if you have both, it's even better. Because you use Maloku, get a spirit, return a land, play the land, get another spirit. At the same time, it. getting a bird. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, you get a spirit, and then you play land and get a bird. Pardon. But you gain two life every time you do that because of Archon. It's just, it's it's really interesting, and it's a lot of fun. It also gives you something to do with lands if you aren't drawing anymore. But yeah, I don't know. I like that. It's also really awesome. Um, I played this deck, the other or a deck similar to this, with Asperia as the general. And I had Archon and a bunch of flyers in my yard, and someone cast a Living Death. So, uh, that's pretty cool, if that ever happens to you. I'm just saying. Yes, it's not like that story we heard at the beginning of the podcast. <gasps> it is exactly the story we heard at the beginning of the podcast, <laughs> wrapping things together, Tom. I was making it more interesting for the listeners, but instead, you're being a jerk. That almost sounds like it's redundant. <gasps> Another reference at the beginning of the podcast. It's like we're in a time war. Um, anyway... Another card that should be in almost every blue EDH deck is Maldrifter. Am I right? You're you're right. I see. The, I don't really even understand. I mean, I know, I do understand why because it's a creature and you can get him back with like Karmic Guide or Revelark. Yep. But you look at you look at Lark or not Lark. Pardon. You look at Maldrifter and you kind of it's like, yay! Council of the Sword Tommy that flies. It's so good. No one like. Even when it was spoiled and when people like weren't playing with it in the beginning, no one was like, oh, this card is bonkers. Everyone's just kind of like, this card is decent? Why would you ever play it? Then when it got into like five color control and people were like, oh, wait, I can recur this whenever I want because it's a creature? We're good. Yeah. We're good. Alrighty, so I don't know about you, but I don't really have too much more to talk about for an Asperia deck. It's kind of straightforward. Um... So yeah, any any closing remarks, any final thoughts you have about the deck before we move into uh, viewer comments and whatnot? About the deck, um, it's playing Bribery, because everyone should, and uh, a lot of the cards in the deck are a little bit pricier, I understand. I also kept out like Planeswalkers from this deck, because I wanted to make it like kind of buildable, but even though most of the rares and uncommons are about a dollar, so the deck will run you about $75, I'd assume. Well, besides like Telepathy and... You know what? I'm just gonna shut up because I was wrong. Yeah, and like you, you moat. Come on, Tom. But in general, I I understand what he's trying to say. If you take out the like the moat cards, if you take out the outliers, this deck isn't too expensive to build, especially in terms of EDH. Um, a lot of the other extremely pricey cards are left out, but overall, you can tailor an EDH deck to your budget fairly easily. So yeah, like you know, if you have like foil Jace the Mind Sculptors laying around, put them in the deck. Oh <laughs> yeah. I'm sure it's going to make it much better. I have foil jaces everywhere. All, all, all over my room. My wallpaper in my room is foil jaces. Dude, you too? Yeah. No. Um, so, I did want to bring up, because we're going to move on to listener feedback. Um, we got some comments on the last episode. I know I did mention this before, but I do want to mention it again. That we um, messed up about the seal cycle. Yeah. My bad. Blame it on Tom. Honestly, blame it on Tom. uh, Brian told us about it, and so did a few listeners in the comments. We just, we really brain fart, and we're sorry about that. We are human, we make mistakes, and um, we make mistakes also because we're, we just do. It has nothing to do with being human. It's probably a mix of laziness and being in college. That's what I blame. I I also blame most of those things also. Right. Yay. Um, 
And we also got two emails. We got an email from Lee Simon, and I apologize if I'm saying that wrong. He was talking about an Ulash to the Hate CDDH deck, and I just gave him some plans for it. And uh, bonus points, uh, Lee, for mentioning Doubling Season. Best card since, uh, I don't know, Mindslaver. Um, <laughs> Which is the best card since, I don't know, Mana Reflection. But I, don't know. I will say, I, we should point him towards the Ulash to Hate Seed uh, podcast that we made. Yeah, I don't remember which episode it was, though. Neither do I. We make really weird names for our episodes, so it's hard to tell. Like, this yeah. one's probably Death by Pop Music. By the way, did you know that California girls are unforgettable? Oh, Tom. <laughs> you know, no one's going to understand what you're talking about if they've never heard that Katy Perry song. And if they haven't heard that Katy Perry song... Don't. Yeah, you're better off. Anyway, uh, we also got another email from Doug, who is just saying that... Um, Doug is a fan of the podcast and wants more. And they've already listened to all of the older episodes twice. So, uh, awesome. Thanks, Doug. I, I would like to ask, do you think having your wallpaper as magic cards is possible? Oh, wait, do you mean Jace's or do you mean... Just like magic cards. Like, I just threw out a lot of magic cards because I didn't need them, but if I could have kept them and made wallpaper out of them, that would have been so cool. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely possible. I, I don't see why not. Dude, I'm doing that. Um, on, what else was I going to say? Oh, this is this is the remark that I kind of wanted to tie to when we were talking about the other cards that people mentioned for prison type effects. Uh, uh, not commonly, Gavin mentioned Elephant Grass, and we had a bunch of cards that were mentioned that weren't blue or white. And I did want to mention that we when we sent in the last podcast, Papa Bear. Uh, he replied to us and talked about how much he's really digging his uh, Mathematician's Wet Dream EDH deck, where the whole purpose of the deck is to make everything cost not, impossible, not impossible to cast, but ridiculously difficult. And his is Esper Colors, mistaken. I want to make one that's five color. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, I think... I, I just... Because it could play Elephant Grass, it could play Collective Restraint would be ridiculously awesome in that deck. It could also play... Um, I would even go so far as to play Kazool, even though he doesn't make them pay anything. It's still just another... Uh, another annoying kind of a, effect. Yeah, another obstacle to overcome. There's also... It could play Kasukin uh, Falls. I'm probably saying that wrong. Um, there are a lot of cards that I want to like shove into this deck that I'm really excited about, but I think I think we need to talk to Papa Bear more in order to get that going. And I also tried to look for the cards online before. You would not you would not expect how expensive a lot of these um, prison type effects are. Dude, people like them. Yeah. So. So Tom. So that's that. That's all that happened this weekend, right? The weekend of Pro Tour Amsterdam. That's it, right? Yep, that's all. That's everything. Yep, and California girls are unforgettable. Aww. You know what, Trevor? Be careful what you wish for, because you just might get it. Because you just might get it. Because you just might all right, get it. Alright, guys. On that note, with Tom singing harmoniously, we're going <laughs> to end the podcast, because uh, that's how cool we are. Totally sure disharmoniously. Oh, we should tell them where they can find us. That's what I was just going to say. Dude. Sweet. <laughs> um, you guys can follow us on Twitter. We're twitter.com backslash mtgradio. You can email us at mtgradio at mtgcast.com. Or you can follow us on 
YouTube, or subscribe to our channel on YouTube, I guess is the correct way to put it. What's our YouTube channel, Tom? Our YouTube cha- channel is The MTG Radio. Right, because some mm, curmudgeon stole MTG Radio, so we had to put a V in front of it. But it's fine, we're going to roll with it. Like Tom said, he's probably going to be putting up more deck techs for uh, Magic Online. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's pretty much all. If you guys want any EDH tips or would like to correct our mistakes, which I'm sure there are plenty of, and no sarcasm intended, we really do appreciate it. Because as we've said before, sometimes we get lazy or we just have brain farts and we don't think things through all the way. Also, so, California girls are, unf- are unforgettable. Daisy Duke's bikinis on top. Alrighty, guys, for episode 39 of MTG Radio, this is Trevor. And this has been Tom. <laughs> and thanks for tuning in.